Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. Happy New Year to all the listeners out there. Our very first show of 2023, and the Flyers are going streaking. Yeah, I didn't uh, see this coming at any point this season, honestly. Uh, but they've won, what, three in a row? They've won five out of eight. They're killing it. Look at them. Playoff push on the way, baby. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, We'll see as we get into today's show. But a lot to cover. We haven't recorded since before the holidays. At least I haven't. I don't know what these guys have been up to. Uh, So let's get right into it. Let's lead it off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. I'm going to the game tonight, and I'm excited about it. And I don't know what that says about me. I think I'm mostly just excited because Eric Lindros is going to be there. It's exciting. Like, it's cool. You know? It's just fun when he's around. Yeah, gonna wear see my the old 90s. highlights, like yeah. what hockey used to look like. You think, oh my god, imagine if you played today where they're not allowed to touch you. Oh, <laughs> Jesus, it would be really good. But yeah, I uh, every time I think I'm gonna stop caring about this team, something happens, and then I'm like, ah, I can't really get out. There's no, there's here. no out. Like, no. if the last ten years have kept, what are we gonna bail now? Like, that's just wasted time then. That's true. <laughs> like, Too much sunk, sunk, sunk cost. cost fallacy, baby. Yeah. It's <laughs> We're like stuck in it. <laughs> it's like going in. It's like going into the bathroom without your phone or a magazine. That's just time you're not getting back. Then. Yeah, you can't do that. You no. gotta be able to tweet while you're pooping. <laughs> yeah. And from theathletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Hey gang. So one thing that I find really, really funny. And, and maybe I'm the only person that finds this as funny as I do, but there's something hilarious to me about the fact that for years, for literally years, the Flyers have always stunk on their Disney on Ice road trip. And this season, the season where the team has no hope at all of making the playoffs, there were no expectations really, everything is a disaster, they go 3-0 and on the Disney on Ice road trip. Like, where was this in one of the good years when they actually could have used these three wins to, like, get a better playoff spot? Instead, they do it this year. Like, like it's just, it's really funny to me. While it is funny, there is also the fact that, like, the Ducks are the worst team ever assembled. True. Uh, the Sharks, real fucking bad. Yeah, And the bad. Kings are fine. The yeah, Kings the, the Kings fine. was the game I expected them yeah. to lose. And they were outplayed in that game. They just kind of, like, hung in there, and then Noah Cade scored a kind of fluky goal, and then they won. Like, that happens. It's hockey. But it is funny. The, the Ducks are actually hilarious to me because, I, I mean, I give the Ducks a lot of credit organizationally because the Ducks are not actually this bad. Like, they have no. some legitimately good players. What very clearly is going on in Anaheim, though, is that 
after about a month and a half into the season, they realized that Dallas Eakins has is either just a bad coach or has just completely lost the room and they're not listening to him anymore. Now, in a normal year, what would you do? You would fire the bad coach who has lost the room. The Ducks, intelligently enough, are like, you know what? Why are we going to fire him? Losing yeah. is good. Let's just yeah. keep him the rest of the year, continue to be terrible because they've quit on the coach, and then we might get Connor Bedard. I respect this nakedly like honest approach to tanking that they're taking because if they cared at all about winning, Eakins would have been fired a month and a half ago. But they're like, nah, we'll just keep the coach who clearly isn't the solution because he'll make us worse. Bedard or a top two or three pick with Zegras and Terry? Like, I would yeah. love to be the Ducks. Uh, the Ducks are in a Seriously. great situation. Like, now they, like, Gibson kind of, uh, he's been bouncing back a little, but, you know, he's been down most of the year. They have some holes and stuff, but organizationally, I'd much prefer to be in the situation the Ducks are in than the Flyers. Uh, but I don't want this to be an all negative show because we'll do plenty of those. You know, it's the first one of 2023. Want to ring in the new year with a little discussion about some of these guys. Well, one, I just think the the lead question. Are the Flyers just going through a nice little stretch, you know, because every team does, that's hockey. Or maybe, maybe the Tortorella thing is starting to set in and they're becoming something different than they were for the first 25-30 games. It's probably a little of both. Right? Like, I definitely think the Tortorella thing is a thing. Um, they've started to get some guys back from injury, which is obviously helpful. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't think the team's any better than it was a month ago. I think that, you know, they're just stringing together a couple of wins. I don't think it's going to last. Like, I could see them losing tonight. To be quite sure. honest with you. I could see them losing every game for the rest. I'm just... Yeah. But, like, yeah. do you think some of the players who we're looking to see take a step have maybe done so now, and we're going to see a little bit more sustained, not, like, greatness or excellence, but sustained competency for for a month, two months? I, I think there are positives. I think there are absolutely positives on this team, and I do think there's something to be said as Kelly noted about the Tortorella effect that, yeah, in the beginning of the year for the first, you know, 10, 15 games or so, the Flyers were a dumpster fire that was being carried entirely by Carter Hart. That is not the case anymore. They are now, I think what this Disney on Ice California road trip reminded everyone who's still paying attention is that, yes, the Flyers are bad. They are not a good team, but they are a cut above the really, really bad teams. Yeah. Like they're yeah, just, they are they're, not Anaheim. They're not at that level. They're better. They're better coached. Like they're just more structured. And we knew that was going to happen when they hire John Tortorella. But John Tortorella, unless there was a full fledged mutiny against him, which like I guess you can never rule that out because it is always on the table. Yeah, it was on the table. It was a possibility. <laughs> but unless there was a full fledged mutiny, he was going to make this team better. Now, there's a ceiling as to how far he could make this team better because got news for you they're not that talented but they were going to not be one of the three or four worst teams in hockey and i think that's all this road trip reminds us is that they're not one of the three or four worst teams in hockey and there's when they play against teams like the kings who are actually good 
yeah, they might be able to win some of those games. But for the most part, they're going to get outplayed. They're, they're not going to be as good. And they're probably going to lose most of them. But when they play teams like the Sharks and the Ducks and the Coyotes on Thursday night, like, I think there's a decent and above 50% chance in those games that they're going to win. Because they are a better team. And when I say team, I'm not saying, like, talent. I'm saying a cohesive whole. They are a better team than those teams. And I think that's all this reminded me. It's... I keep getting back to like it is the worst case scenario as we always yeah. as we it, we are as we feared, for it yeah. like in we're the best possible it. time to be horrible they are not yep uh now maybe you know they make some trades they sell some guys and they become worse but I don't really think there's that's gonna happen yeah and, <laughs> like, and, and part of the problem yeah. with that too is that like yes the Flyers almost certainly will trade James Van Riemsdyk. Like, Justin Braun probably gets traded, but he's not starting every night anyway. But, like, yeah, they'll get a little bit worse. In comparison to the other teams that are tanking, yeah. those teams are going to get a lot worse. Because, like, worse. for example, the Blackhawks are already bad, and they're almost certainly going to trade Patrick Kane. They might trade Kane and Taves. Like, they're going to go from real bad to, like, one of the worst teams we've ever seen bad after the trade. Are the Flyers going to trade for Patrick Kane? No. No. Well, because, Are they going to sign him in the Okay, office? well, that that's yes. more interesting to me. <laughs> the, the thing that might save us there is the oh. fact that I don't think Patrick Kane will want to go to Philly because things are real bad. Good. But yeah, we don't want you, I absolutely he can't possibly want absolutely to. could see the Flyers being like, if they don't, like, unless, unless the organization, which they should do, fully accepts the fact that they need to rebuild. And not, I'm not saying, like, sell every single piece that isn't nailed down, but, like, just go in with the mentality, say the fucking word, which they're terrified to do, like, say it. Unless they do that, I could absolutely see them, even if they fire Chuck, hire some other GM who sells them on the idea that we can fix this, guys, and then he goes and, like, makes a big push for Patrick Kane. Like, 100%. if you're another general manager, and and this is like way off track now, but just Whatever. if you're a GM who wants this job, you you're a GM who wants any job. Yeah, yeah. You would probably want that job for as long as possible. It's not fixable. So sell the Sam Hinkie, like sell the hope. Sell yeah. the hope of a rebuild. You have a much longer leash if you're yeah, supposed true. to lose because being bad goes to plan. Yeah, like, but but see, I, the problem with that, Bill— I know, ownership again, like, doesn't want to hear it. Yeah, in the end, I do think that ownership will come around and be like, yes, we need to rebuild, and they'll do something. I don't think it'll be exactly, but they'll do something in the realm of like the letter that the Rangers sent out where it's like, yes, we acknowledge reality. We know this is going to take time. They're going to do something like that, I think, in the end. But if they don't, and if they just, like, let's say the rest of the season goes where, you know, they, they go about 500 the rest of the way, and they're able to convince themselves that, like, no, with a healthy team, we can actually turn this around quick, then... Healthy? Then even if <laughs> that they... That might be the most asinine part, you're ever going to be healthy. Yeah, but... My point is that even in that case, know, even if they were to fire Fletcher and then go out and look for another GM, yes, you're right, in theory... A GM who wants a little bit longer of a leash would come in and say, this needs to be rebuilt from the top down. Give me some time. I'll fix this, but I need four or five years. The problem is, is that ownership doesn't want to hear that, so they won't hire those guys. They'll only hire the people who tell them what they that's, want to hear, which is, I could turn this around in two years. We'll be good. That's like, 
I hope there's some sort of collusion between all the general manager... The way the league colludes and everything's run by gentlemen's agreement. Like, all the candidates, hopefully, don't just give them what they... Like, it's the... It's someone's going to go in there and be like, I have the point, like the magic pill. Like it, it, yeah. absolutely. Someone has the master plan and it's going to revolve around Patrick Kane. You know, he should have been a flyer anyway. <laughs> like, oh God. I mean, literally, is there anything more flyers? Like <laughs> to miss Johnny to and go get Kane? Yeah. Like going back to the Snyder era, is there anything more flyers than picking up an aging star on the very downside of his career for way too much money in free agency? It's like peak flyer shit. Oh, it's extreme. A year after, yeah. you could have had the guy, like... The younger the younger guy still You could have had the younger him. Like, yeah. almost the Wasn't same Wasn't time, guy. Bill. Wasn't time. <laughs> the, the younger, but, much less problematic him. <laughs> yes. Also, the, the one who's not, From like... Here. There's not major character concerns. Like, ah, uh, whatever. Anyway, the, I wanted to ask, like... But I want to talk about the players who might be starting to come around and really show something. Guys, we can joke about like them going and getting Patrick Kane. It's a nightmare. Uh, but the guys who actually might be a part of this thing, when they're good again, or becoming good again, working towards good, uh, want to start out with one of our favorites. Morgan Frost. Now, hey. I, I came into the year saying, fresh slate. I believe it is... A possibility he becomes, you know, he grows into that number 48. He becomes what we thought maybe the possi- what the potential was for him. Clean slate, new coach, all that. And boy, did he get off to a disappointing start. Uh, but ever since that four-point game, he's now got nine points in his last ten, including five goals. He's actually scoring. He's been, contr- like... He's not invisible. That I think that's the best thing I can say about him because outside of the production, like it takes more than one guy to score unless you're just Connor McDavid and you can fucking go end to end and it doesn't matter if it's one on twelve. Uh, like it takes a team to score a goal. You actually notice him during the games, which wasn't the case for the first thirty of the season. Uh, could he maybe be turning a corner? Because it looks like. In terms of where he was to where he is now, maybe the biggest improvement I've seen. It's happening, Bill. It's happening. <laughs> is it really? No, is I don't really? know. I mean, it, to be fair, like, I know no one wants to hear it again, but if you, like, really look at the timeline of his career, like, this is He hasn't really, really had a shot. The first long stretch of, like, trying to figure it out that he's actually gotten in the NHL. So like maybe that's just what he needed. And also, a, you know, a coach that seems to know what he's doing with regard to like developing and fostering talent and players. So I I think if nothing else, we're not going to go back to invisible dog shit Morgan Frost. He's just an that, AHL player and nothing yeah. else that yeah. sort of yeah, I think that he's shown that he's maybe a little bit better than Boyd Kane, which is what I've been calling him. He might be a little <laughs> step above, you know, just a good AHL player. That that is a a really big admission from you, Kelly. He's not. I'm Boyd wrong Kane. all the time, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, look, I'm honestly. I mean, I'm still skeptical. Yes, he's he's played well. Yeah. Um, I think he's played okay over the last you know 
eight, nine, ten games, whatever. Um, I need to see more. But as I've said on this show, like that's what this season is for. This yeah. season is for the Morgan Frost of the team, where when else are they going to get a look? And at this point, if Morgan Frost can just be a, path, a, a decent third-line center who, you know, you shelter a little bit and he can give you 40 points a year, I'm cool with that. Like, there's, there's a use for guys like that. Is he that yet? No, I don't think so. But I do like, one thing I like about him over the last few weeks is that he's trying to make plays. He occasionally does make plays. There are stretches of games where you're like, man, Morgan Frost is like, he, he's, he's flying tonight. I never said that before. I would never be like, man, Morgan Frost, that guy is noticeable tonight. It was just yeah. there. And even if he would get a point, you'd be like, ah, well, like, yeah, he picked up. No, it would be like a whoop, secondary assist on like a line yeah. change. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. what do you do? Now, he actually is popping a little bit. Now, to me, the Morgan Frost thing is like, let me assess at the end of the season. Because right sure. now, you know, you look at his, I, I just did my, my midterm grades on the athletic.com, please subscribe. And the way I, I explain Morgan Frost is like, look, if I'm looking at this over the last 10 games, he's taken a big step forward, but I can't just ignore the fact that games, for like yeah. a month, he didn't score at all. Like, I, I, like I can't just all. wipe that out of my memory entirely. So like, let's see where he is at the end of the year, and let's see what the season as a whole can tell us about this guy. Because right now, he's exactly what I said a few weeks ago about him, which is that this is a guy who has one skill that's NHL level, or one skill that theoretically could be NHL level, which is scoring. He can't really do anything else. He's not a defensively oriented guy. He's not a play driver. He's not a fourth liner. He's a scorer. And so far, he is a scorer that has 15 points in 37 games. That's just not going to cut it. Now, if he becomes a scorer that can score 45 points in a season or 50 points in a season, I can live with that. But he needs to get better than we're like, this isn't enough. This is a good sign. It's not enough. He needs to show more. But I'm, I'm encouraged that he's at least showing something. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's 10 games. You know, it, everyone has had a, everyone in the league has had a good 10 games. Yeah, I exactly. bet you Andrew McDonald somewhere had a stretch of 10 games where he looked like he could play a little bit. Uh, somewhere, maybe with the Islanders or something. Uh, <laughs> but, like, uh, the way I'm trying to look at it now is, like, as you said from here, like, if he can do what he's doing, you know, not nine points every 10 games, because I don't think he's going to do that, but beyond that, 35 40 45 point pace from here through the rest of the season like is that enough or is it you still look at the big picture and go where was he for the first two months it's at least enough to keep him around because i mean as as we've discussed this isn't getting fixed in a season it's at least enough to be like yeah he deserves to be part of next year's team to show if he can take another step forward because next year while you know, hopefully we don't come in with the sort of pessimism we did. Uh, they ain't winning next year either. It'll be no, once again about figuring things out. Hopefully they're figuring things out about a larger group of guys than the few we're going to name here. Like, and Frost can be uh, not a mentor, but kind of a blueprint for, hey, even if it didn't start out the way you wanted it to, you can still get there. You know, like, you can still work towards it, even if you don't come in right away, you're not a phenom, you're a disappointment, you're labeled a bust, you can still move forward. And that's why I want to talk about Owen Tippett next, 
Yes. 12 goals on the season. Uh, six goals, 10 points in his last 13 games. Frost has shown the biggest fun. improvement. Because, like, last year when they got Owen Tippett, I was like, man, this guy's good. The puck just never goes in. Like, he's making plays. He, he's scoring chances. Like, he's noticeable. Uh, he's more than that now. Like, 12 goals, it's not TK's 19, and we'll talk about him in a little bit. But good pace for a guy you didn't really know. Like, John Tortorella, in camp, it's on camera, said, I don't know who this guy is. Are you a scorer? Are you a grinder? Like, are you a first liner, a fourth liner? We didn't know, and he's showing you he's somebody. Yeah, it's it's good because, like, you got obviously, something for G. I was gonna say, like, yeah, it, it it was looking there for a minute. Like, maybe we didn't get anything. Like, maybe Florida was onto something by parking him in the AHL. But he's been a lot of fun in these last few games that I've seen because a lot of them were at ten thirty p.m. and I didn't watch them, but. <laughs> <laughs> but well, from what I've seen, he's been a lot of fun recently. And it's nice to see the puck going in just because I do think, as we've said a billion times, goal scorers are streaky. So once they start going, you know, tends to last for a little bit. And it's been... Yeah, you just hope like the streak, like he actually gets on a streak. It's, yeah, not yeah, two, yeah. it's not like a two goal game and then done for a month. Like he actually has a two goal game and then two games later, like another goal, like he actually gets hot a little bit. And that seems to be what he is. Yeah, he's definitely one of the the guys that are, are he's factoring big time into the let's have fun while we're losing thing that we're kind of going for here because he's he's a lot of fun to watch play hockey. I think. Yeah, I just think what's it, what's exciting about Tippett is that it's like it's pretty clear that he's an NHL player and that he can find a role in the NHL as long as he continues to play like this, which, I mean, he looks like a pretty good player. But I think what's exciting to me about him is that he fits an archetype that isn't that easy to find, which is the archetype of the goal scorer who can beat goalies from distance. Like, I don't know, if you want to use the word sniper, you can. I don't know if he's ever going to score enough to be like, a real sniper in the sense that he's going to be like a 40 goal guy. But if he's a 25, 30 goal a year guy who scores a lot of his goals by beating goalies clean, like he's a guy who every team in the NHL would want. And the Flyers could find a spot for him because if you're trying to build a balanced forward core, which is something the Flyers have not had in years, it's really helpful to have the one guy who can beat goalies clean from distance with a plus shot and he can skate. He's a plus skater too. So it's not like he's a plotter like Kiefer Bellows who has the plus shot, but can never use it because he can't skate. Um, Tippett is the type of guy that the Flyers can use, especially like what's really intriguing to me too about Tippett is that he's doing this in spite of the fact that for the first time, I mean, God, for the first time since the the really bad year when they were the worst team in the league and they got second overall pick like they don't have a true playmaking center like they mm. always have a playmaking center a pass first playmaking center they don't really have like they have Morgan Frost but is he an NHL player we're still yeah, figuring that's... that out but like imagine if you know they come away in the next one two three drafts with a guy they get in the top ten who is a pass-first center, and then you stick him with Tippett, suddenly maybe Tippett is a 35-goal scorer because he's with, you know, a Claude Giroux type. I'm not saying someone as good, That's, but someone who plays that style. 
I'm happy you made that distinction on goals like James Van Riemsdyk, a goal scorer. And he can get you 25-30, but from six feet and in. You know, if he scores, if he scores from the hash marks, that's a goddamn bomb for him. (laughs) Uh, Like this, uh, you know, Peter Forsberg, like the idea of a sniper, like Peter Forsberg could snipe and never scored more than 30. But the idea that you can just beat a goalie from anywhere, that you have multiple ways to put the puck in the net from all over the ice is freaking huge. Uh, I've had a lot of fun. Like Owen Tippett, as, as Kelly said, fun to watch especially when he's going. You brought up Kiefer Bellows and he just called up. He just got called up. If I'm playing a game of posts, I want Kiefer Bellows on my team, man. That dude, <laughs> that dude gets more scoring chances that aren't even shots than I've ever slicked. And not that like he's all over the place, but you'd credit him with more if like posts counted for shots on goal is all. But anyway, uh, just real quick on the Ursan thing, because you know, I wanted to do it later, but I mentioned it. For what does he need a condition? Like, we haven't used them, so we're... Ca- Sandstrom. Like, yeah. Oh, that Sandstrom. that's what I meant. Sandstrom. Yeah. Well, so he just... He hasn't played in a while, and he was sick. Just hasn't played in a while. But but in truth, I mean, what's very clear is that this is more a... Yeah. Like, we're going to park him down there so we can get a longer look at Ursa. Look, the, the whole thing that really is bubbling under the surface with this, and this is... I've heard this for months, is that basically from the start... Fr- from camp, John Tortorella wanted Urson as his backup. And mm. es- and essentially what... Because Urson was the better goalie. He's better. And essentially yeah. what Fletcher in the front office told Tortorella was like, look, we agree that Urson has been better than Sandstrom. But Sandstrom requires waivers. Urson doesn't. And also, Urson didn't play pretty much all of last year due to injury, and we want him to play a lot of games rather than sit on the bench and play. I mean, what Sandstrom played, like nine games so far this year? They want Urson yeah. to play more. So they convinced Tortorell of that. Well, since then, he hasn't been terribly impressed by Sandstrom. He kind of like gives him lukewarm comments whenever he's asked about. I'm talking about Tortorella. And Urson yeah. has done a very good job in the AHL. Urson got the chance to come up. And I think Tort sort of sees this as like, I've wanted this guy all along. So like, I'm not going to give him up without a fight. And the organization is sort of like, well, like we still need to be convinced further that we want to risk losing Sandstrom because we like him. So this just allows them to kind of like kick the can down the road another two weeks and see if anything like, hey, somebody might get hurt or Urson might give up six goals in a period. And then it's like, oh, he needs time. Like they're just kind of kicking it down the road and seeing what happens until they really need to make that decision, which will come later this month. Do you think Sandstrom will get claimed? I don't, but like there's always, I guess, that fear. Yeah, I guess. You always think your guys are better than they are. No. Like, you'd have to lose a guy. Like, you're going to give up one of the goalies you have for the... Whatever. Um, No, like, uh, the reasons, like, the real reasons for it are very clear. Like, everything Charlie just laid out. Obvious. I just thought... I don't know if I want to give Chuck Fletcher credit, because why? Fuck him. Uh, But... Like, for a guy we always say is not creative, this is at least an idea. It's something. And, like, I was just surprised because Sandstrom, like, normally a conditioning stint is, like, he's hurt and now he needs to go get in shape. And this is just, he hasn't played. So we're going to go, we're going to, we're going to. Yeah, he was sick. He missed that, 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 that short road trip right before Christmas, the one where they went to uh, Toronto and Carolina. He missed, he didn't go on that trip at all because he was legitimately sick. 
So he is still, I think, getting over okay. it. He hasn't played in a while. And this is just a way, as I said, for them to kick the can down the road. They're allowed yeah. to do it. He had to approve it. That was the key mm. with this conditioning stint was that they they can't just tell a player you're on a conditioning stint. He had to say, I agree to this. Clearly he did, so they were able to do it. All right. I, I just, I found it funny that they actually came up with at least a short-term solution, which they normally uh, have no solutions whatsoever because they're the flyers. Everyone say hi to Ava. She's trying to sneak in. Hi, um, Ava. <laughs> hi. <laughs> um, yeah, all right. Where were we with the players? Yeah, so Owen Tippett. TK. Uh, Joel Farabee, I want to get to. You know, he had a stretch, a 12-game stretch, where he had one goal, one assist. Yeah, it was bad there for a minute. Maybe he's finding, and, like, I'm willing to... I'm willing to give very few people in this entire organization the benefit of the doubt, but the dude is coming back from a surgery only two other NHL players have had before. Uh, you know, not exactly... Yeah, he's an NHL player, and he's established his role on this team and everything, but... It's not like he's a 10-year vet. He's still finding his way in this league. Maybe finding a little bit of form. Again, small sample. We need to see it. But two goals, five points in the last six games. Is he maybe starting to get his legs back under him after, you know, a, a really tough start to this season with the surgery and everything he's gone through? Maybe. Maybe. Uh I mean, look, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm a big Joel Farabee guy. He was the guy yeah. I wanted in that draft way back. Like, he concerns me because he just doesn't seem to be making progress. Mm. And yet, you know, he had that, that really promising season. He was, like, one of the only guys who did that really promising season in 2020, 2021, the year that was lockout shortened the, because they planned for it to be lockout shortened. He, I think he was tied for the team leading goals. He was one of the few, like, consistently impactful guys. And you're like, hey, this is a bright spot. Then last year, he was banged up, you know, probably came back from injury too soon. So that year got kind of screwed up. Now he's got the next, the, the neck thing that he had over the summer. And he just doesn't seem to be taking steps. Now, granted, I think some of that is out of his control. Some of that's been bad injury luck, whatever. But I do worry that, like, these are important years for development. And he's just kind of stagnating. And it's not that I, as I said, it's not that I think it's all his fault, but like it doesn't change the fact that it's, it's happening. still happening. It's still yeah. happening. And like to me, this offseason was a real disappointment that he had the injury because to me, the, the things that Joel Farabee needs to work on to get better are he needs to get stronger and he needs to get a little bit quicker. And what are the things you really can't do when you're recovering from neck surgery? You really you can't lift like at all. That's and, how it happened. Yeah, and like the skating has to be limited because you just hurt your neck, and skating is a pretty intensive thing. So he really wasn't able to improve at all physically last summer, which means the first time he's going to get a chance to do that is next summer when he's going to be what, like twenty three, going on twenty four. I forget exactly how old he is, but. I just worry because, like... Farabee will be 23 on February 25th. Okay, yeah. So he'll be 23 in his year, in his 23rd year. The following year will be 24. Okay. But he was supposed to be this two-way threat. He doesn't grade out well by advanced stats. He never really has. That's concerning to me because I expected him to be a play driver. He isn't, hasn't been that yet. And then I was like, well, okay, well, maybe he's a goal scorer, and now he's not scoring that many goals. So it's kind of like, yes, you're an NHL player, but I don't know exactly what you are. Like, what kind of NHL player are you? 
Is there any vibe that he doesn't, like he's not a torts guy and kind of like the way Hayes isn't a torts guy? No, I, I don't think torts dislikes Farabee, but I do think he wants more from him. Yeah, I mean. I, 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 yeah. I don't get the sense that this is like a Hayes thing where he, he hates the way Joel Farabee plays. I think there okay. are lots of things about Joel Farabee's play that he likes, but Joel Farabee is not the two-way threat that I think people, including myself, thought he was going to be, at least not yet. No, so, we were yeah. talking about him like Simone Gagne. Like, yeah. he's, he's going to be Gagne. Yeah, and he doesn't look like that yet. Now, I'm not saying he can't get there, but he's getting older. Every year he doesn't make progress is another year where you have to wonder, is it ever going to come? So Joel Farabee, to me, I still like the guy maybe it is as simple as he's getting his legs back from under him. He'll have a strong second half, but he's been a concern to me this year because I, I mean, I, I started to be concerned once the surgery thing happened, because then it's like, even if he comes back, is what this is just going to be, yeah, is this just going to be a lost year of development because he just mm-hmm. had this major surgery. He couldn't use all the summer to really improve. And it's kind of looking like that might be the case. This might just be like a year where he treads water. And then that just says, well, we got to wait till next year, but that's another year we got to wait. Cam York uh, called up his first game was December 9th. And I'll tell you, he sure looks like an NHL player. (laughs) I mean, he Uh, did last year too. Yeah, no, he looked like he belonged last year. I do feel as if he's taken a step. Uh, I I think he's, I, I don't know. He just looks more... I can't describe it. He just looks like he belongs more. You know, like he he's one of the six best defensemen and it's not particularly oh, close. He's one of the like, three best. I was one of the, say, I was going to say yeah. I was going to say he's one of the two best defensemen and it's not particularly close. Uh he's playing like 18 and a half minutes a game. He's been a plus in 6 of the 11 games he's played, only a minus 3 times if you're into that sort of thing. Good. Good. Cam York looks like Very a good, good player. Very good. We, we, I think that we all needed for our sanity for him to be a good NHL player. I mean, I, I'm not sure having Cam York is ever going to like excite you. Yeah, like yeah. he's not. He's not gonna like. I don't think he's never gonna break any games for you. He's just gonna be. I feel like he's gonna be one of those defensemen. That you don't notice very often because they're always doing the right thing, which is great. It's just not particularly exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because I will say this: the one guy who, and I can see this when I watch Cam York, the one guy that scouts always compared York to stylistically, coming up through you know through the through the ranks through college whatever, was uh, Josh Morrissey in Winnipeg. And mm. Josh Morrissey, you know, was real good with Jacob Trouba in Winnipeg. Then he went through a down period. Now he's, like, second in the NHL in points. And, like, I don't yeah, think— Yeah, Morrissey over there. Yeah, like, well, <laughs> among defensemen. But, like, yeah. I, I just—I think York has the offensive ability to maybe not be a game-breaker in, like, the Makar sense, because he clearly doesn't have that. But that he can be a pretty darn good offensive defenseman if it all comes together. I'm not saying it will. I'm just saying that upside's there, in theory, if he plays on a team that has the types of forwards that can take advantage of the plays he does make, which this team doesn't have at the moment. But <laughs> Regrettably. Regrettably. I, I think, to me, it's just like— He York, passes to McEwen, and that's— Yeah, it. and then nothing happens. York strikes me as, at this point, exactly what I thought he was going to be, which is a good second-pair defenseman. 
and you need those. The problem is the Flyers already have quite a few. <laughs> only. Only second, second pair of defensemen. <laughs> which, again, is going to be something this team is going to have to figure out at some point. Or, well, they, you, know, you know, actually, you know what? I'll rephrase. Because we say this organization is going to have to figure that out at some point. Maybe they won't. Maybe they will just do nothing, <laughs> which is what they have done for the last three years. And it's like, well, it'll work itself out. And it never does because the yeah. defense just becomes bad. Because there they have a go. bunch it of... It works guys. itself out. We're they, drafting they, fifth. <laughs> they have two types of, of defensemen on the seat. They have second-pair defensemen who they hope were going to be first-pair defensemen and aren't. And then they have second-pair defensemen who actually are third-pair defensemen because they think are better than they actually are. And some AHL defensemen. And some AHL defensemen, I'll tell you, yeah. I am going to continue to judge Cam York based on my expectations that he's Brian Leach. As we were told, he was on draft night. There you night. go. Uh, so, was that what they said uh, on no, TV? I, yeah, I think that's that. I'm fairly certain that was the comparison. We were at Fieldhouse for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were like, American defenseman. I think he's the next. Yeah, well, oh, he's yeah, American. The best one ever. He's American in defense. <laughs> he's definitely so he American. Be Leach. <laughs> yeah. He's the best one ever. So we might as well set the bar. Well, it's, yeah. it's, um, like, it's like what Kelly said. Like Cole Caulfield, he's, he scores goals. So he's Alex Ovechkin. That's yeah, how yeah. it works, right? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. That's why we um, should have gotten him. Noah Cates. Still good. He, he's a good player. He's yeah. nice. We it's just we have so many fucking players that I would be so excited about having <laughs> if we also had good players. It like, is a team is so It is a team of guys who like a good team would be happy to acquire one or two at the deadline. Yeah. I it's, would say so. It's a full team of dudes yeah, who would so make many. great trade acquisitions. Unfortunately, the general manager has decided to lock them all up for eternity. Yeah. So, yep. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> but I don't know. Kate's five points last four games, only 11 in the first 34. He's scoring a bit, at least for the time being. I, I'm just starting, like, I guess my whole thesis was this team might be not turning a corner towards the playoffs, but honestly turning a corner towards what we don't want. Not but, being in the lottery, but, yeah. But for certain individuals, it's not a bad thing. It's bad for the team, but for the guys we're talking about, if they're turning a corner, that's good, even though it will result in us not getting the star we badly need. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm not sure I'm ready to say that, like, you know... They're definitely working themselves out of a lottery pick. I, at some oh, point, yeah. they're they could lose twelve in a row tomorrow. Yeah. They at do some point, all the time. They're going to be in the lottery. They're just not going to have the best odds yeah. in said lottery. They're not. They're no. going to have eight percent odds instead of fucking forty. Like that's yeah. or whatever. We ran through it last show. I don't remember, but yeah, Low it's just odds. yeah, not great. But of course, you know they got the second pick when they should have been thirteenth, and you when they went know. twenty-two and sixty, they got the second pick in the fifth. The Rangers and the Devils. Yeah. A yeah. whole it bunch happens. of times. But, but, Shit happens. But yeah, going back to Cates for a second, I mean, I really like watching Noah Cates. And, and I, I think the purely from a selfish standpoint, like one thing that really scared me about this Flyers team, again, this is purely subjective. And my thing is that going into this year, especially when we found out the Sean Gaturier was going to miss even more time, it was like, well, this sucks because there's no one on this team that I actually, no one left on this team, that I actually really enjoy watching play hockey all the time. Like, 
I used to really enjoy watching Oscar Lindblom play before the before the cancer. Mm-hmm. I obviously really enjoyed watching Claude Giroux play. I love watching Sean Couturier play. Like there's types of guys where like I love those like intelligent guys that always make They're the little right decision and they're their always subtleties in, are amazing. Yeah, that are always in the rise. I really enjoy watching them play. And I was like, well, this sticks. I'm gonna get to I'm gonna get to watch a team full of like Ristolinens and D'Angelo's and people that just do dumb shit all the time, and that just and then and, and then a bunch of kids who might become that eventually, but in the short term are learning those things, so they're going to make dumb mistakes because they're kids that are learning the NHL. And I was like, well, this is going to kind of stick. Noah Cates has been the one guy who I really have enjoyed watching, like from up in the press box and being like, man, that was a smart play. Like, man, I, I didn't even think. Like, watching from up top, I didn't even think to, that, that a player should have made that play, but that's exactly the play he should have made. Cates, to me, like, is he going to be a star? No. He's probably a middle-of-the-lineup player. But I do think that he has more offensive ability than he's showing right now because the Flyers are really kind of using him them kind of using him as, like, their 1C at the moment. He probably <laughs> isn't even a center. And if he is a center, he's certainly not a first-line center. So, no, ma'am. Like, he's not scoring much, but I think he can. Like, I, I look at him and I see a guy who maybe could score, you know, 35, 40 points a year as a third, second-liner type, and then he makes that line better because he's on it. And that's yes. not what he's playing now, but that's what he could play on a good team if they ever build one. I love, you can tell, you can tell what kind of music Charlie likes based on the kind of hockey player he likes. <laughs> Charlie's a, he's not going for the singles, man. He's all about the, <laughs> the deep like, cuts. No, like, yeah. oh, wrist aligning in the hits, Tony <laughs> D'Angelo and the points. No, I don't want that shit. No, he give me, give me the guy who's in the right place in the neutral zone. You, you gotta hear it. You gotta see it. Exactly. It takes a refined palate, a refined <laughs> eye, but you, you can see it. You just gotta be, and you know that's why he's our, that's why he's our resident Ivy leaguer. All right, that's we're gonna right. take a little break. The last like ten minutes flew by. Uh, on the other side, we're gonna talk about Travis Konechny because we haven't in a little while, um, and I think we should because he's kind of. Good. Uh, so yeah, so stay tuned for this break, and we're going to do that. Welcome back, fam. You're listening to Broad Street Hockey. We just ran through some of the uh, younger players who may be taking a step towards actually, not just they're here because we don't have anyone else, but could actually be here in a year or three and be contributors on a team that is in the playoffs. I, I know. It, I, I know. But we got to look towards something. But Travis Konechny been here a little while. And coming into this year, I was done with him is the wrong word. Because that, it's like people were done with Morgan Frost because they think he can't play. And it's like, all right, well, maybe not. But I, I want to see. Travis Konechny, we knew could play. But I just was positive I knew what he was. Yeah, we've played him on the first line because we had Claude Giroux and Sean Couturier. Of course, you could put anyone there, you know? You could put Michael Raffle on such a line, and it would probably work. <laughs> uh, but he's a really good second-line player. That's what Travis Konechny is. Done. Man, I know someone has to score, uh, but you could say that a lot about you know everyone else in this lineup. You know, Kevin Hayes has, like, three goals. Uh... Someone has to score, and he's doing it. He's got 19 through 38 games. Is he better than we thought? 
Or at least I thought. I think that last year, and you may not have done this consciously, but a lot of people did do do it consciously. A lot of people decided that Travis Konechny was not as good as we thought he was because last year was a disaster. And he he just is this good. Like, this is as good as he was before the contract. Like, this is... I mean... He's a very good player. This year is better, but, like, of course he's His career high is 24 goals. He's going to have that by the end of the month. Yeah. That's he could have cool. that tonight. Like... <laughs> but I, I do think there is something to be said for the somebody has to score thing. Like, yeah. Yeah, truly, who else is going to do it? But... It's just him. And I wanted, when we were going to do the show, like, the week between Christmas and, and New Year, like, it was a little more relevant, because, like, you know, it was being said. But the difference between Hayes and TK, and I think, like, Hayes, while he came in, and the idea was he's a good two-way center, he, he fits, like, our, not a superstar, but a good role player who can play both ways, and now, maybe, he's cheating a little bit for that offense. And because of that, and just, like, the way he looks on the ice, the coach fucking hates. Uh, but but because of that, like, you're even though he's scoring, you're losing something on the other end, and it's kind of canceling each other out. At least as far as the coach's perception of this guy, you know, 37 points already, 19 goals, and he's giving him more responsibility and believes in, in him more than he did at the beginning of the season. And I was watching a game a few weeks ago when they were using TK on the penalty kill and the announcers were talking about how Tortorella was absolutely shocked. A coach had not used him on the penalty kill before because of his skill set. Like one, if he blocks a shot, he's got a breakaway and he's a pretty good goal scorer. I've always thought like use guys in that role. Cause you never know. Um, but I just, I'm seeing a different guy. Yeah, sure. Uh, someone has to score, but that only accounts for some of this. You know, he's going to score like 35 goals this year. And that's not something, you know, he had three consecutive years with 24. <laughs> that's, I, I don't think we ever saw this ceiling for him, at least not in two, three years. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on here. Because I do think, as Kelly said, there's something to be said about the somebody has to score. He's getting yeah. a ton of, he's getting a ton of ice time. Like he's getting 20, 20 minute, 20, 29 per night. His previous yeah. high was 1737. Yeah, so he's 17, getting yeah. three more minutes a night than he's ever gotten before. So that gives him more opportunities to score. He's on the penalty kill. He scored a couple shorties. He's pretty much always on the top power play unit. Like that he and he's always out there as like not just out there in late game situations, but also like the focal point, like the guy they're trying to get the puck to. So if they ever do score when they're trying to chase a game, he's the guy who tends to be involved because he's just getting more ice up. So there's something to be said about the usage. That is definitely But he's part of it. he's converting that like he is. It's he not is. just a volume thing. Yeah. He's actually producing in this amount of time he's getting. Well, I do think too, and this this kind of just hit me a few minutes ago. Last season, TK, there was a little bit of pre, and obviously they're completely different players. But in terms of fan perception, there was a little bit of pre breakout Sean Couturier in in this particular way, in that people got real real mad at Sean Couturier back in the day before he became a seventy point guy. Because he would have these scoring chances and he wouldn't finish. 
and it would piss people off because every time they saw him, he'd have this golden scoring opportunity and he wouldn't finish on it. And that would remind them how much they hate Sean Couturier and have, because he doesn't score enough. It was, it just, it sticks in your head. Travis Konecki was kind of the same way last year in the sense that he created a lot of shots and a lot of chances. He just wasn't finishing on. I mean, the guy shot 7.3%, and it was like, it wasn't that he wasn't creating, it was that he wasn't finishing, and nothing pisses off Flyers fans, hockey fans in general, but Flyers fans in particular, nothing pisses them off more than a guy who can't finish on chances, because it's just like, they get so excited, and then it's like, well, fuck you, you can't score enough. Like, Travis Konecki got 52 points, not a bad year, but because he didn't score on enough of, a ch- of his chances, finish enough of his chances... People got real pissed at him, particularly if they were still watching every game. This year, he's basically shooting about the same. He's just scoring more on those shots. And some of that, I'm sure, is the work he's put in to make his shot more deceptive, to learn more about shooting areas. Some of that is just fucking regression. Like, this, there was no way he was ever going to score only on 7% of his shots again. I was screaming that all summer. And this year, he's scoring on 18%. He's probably not an 18% shooter, but he sure as hell wasn't a 7% shooter. So some mm-hmm. of this is just the fact that he probably was already making improvements last year, just people were too frustrated to notice. And now, yeah. the combination of opportunity, positive regression, and just the fact that, like, as, as Kelly said, somebody's got to score the goals. He's scoring a lot of goals. And his, like, some of my perception goes back to what I initially thought of TK. There's a lot of people that still haven't forgiven TK for not scoring in the playoffs. A lot of people. Like, I I honestly have forgotten all about those playoffs. You brought that up, and I was like, oh, yeah, that did happen. A lot of people Uh, have. No. My my perception of TK goes back to his first couple of years when I was like, oh, good playmaker, really fun to watch. Um, not, not Not a particularly strong NHL shot. Just doesn't look like he can beat goalies. And... Yes, last year, the low shooting percentage and everything, big part of it. But, like, goals per game was the exact same as the year before that, like 0.22 to 0.2. Like, uh, goals per 60, almost exactly the same as the year before. So it just kind of looked like he plateaued. And he just, yeah, those 24 goals a year, he's not even that. That was actually the high end. And I was okay with that because he's still a good player. Like, last year was not a horrible year. Like you said, he was in on a ton of scoring chances. He did have a bunch of points. It was just, man, someone needs, like, someone's someone has to score. Someone needs to score. And the Flyers thought they had someone who could a little and can't. And now he can again. And maybe he goes back. Maybe it reverts. But I don't... I think there's just something to be said for taking advantage of this opportunity. We've given so many guys so many opportunities over the last few years, and they've all come up short. I, I'm i just very impressed by Travis Konechny right now, and that's not something I came into this year thinking was even possible. If you were GM of this team, would you sell high on him right now? So that's an interesting question. I think I question. might. I that's think a I great would. question. Be- because... Like, man, that's a great I'm, I'm, question. I'm of, I'm of two camps here because the first camp tell, says it like, yeah. you know what? I want this guy to be part of what they're building. He's a good player. He's bought in. Like, he bought in. He bought it's in. so hard. Like, and I think to, the way Tortorella looks at, to, at Travis Konechny, and I truly believe this, I think he's looking at Travis Konechny and he's like, this guy's going to be my new Cam Atkinson. This is mm-hmm. my camp. Yep. 
because it was the same deal where Cam Atkinson became a shorthanded threat, all situations guy. He was never great defensively, but damn it, he tried hard. And that's enough for Torts. If you're Defense scoring, is mostly effort. Yeah, if you're scoring and you try hard, you know what? You'll deal with the fact that maybe his instincts aren't the best because at least he's given it his all and he's not cheap. And I think that's what Torts envisions Konechny to be, his new Cam Atkinson. That said, here's my concern with Travis Konechny and why I would strongly consider thinking about selling high on him. And it comes down to the fact that, as Kelly pointed out, someone's got to score on this team. Travis Konechny has two more years left on his contract. His contract expires in the summer of 2025. Most likely... The Flyers are not going to be good next year. And maybe if things really break their way by 2024-25, the last year of Travis Konecki's contract, they'll finally be starting to pull themselves out of this. The problem is, is that in the here and now, Konecki's racking up a lot of points. Because again, who else is going to? There's no one else to make as the centerpiece of the offense. So Konecki, while on a good team, is probably a 60-point guy because he's behind Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos and Braden Point on this team because they don't have those guys. He's got to be that guy. The problem is, is that if he does that for another two years, then justifiably, he's going to be like, hey, I'm a point-per-game guy. I Pay want $8 like million. Dollars. Pay yeah. me like mm-hmm. one. And the prob- this, is a, this is an issue that bad teams can fall into where it's, we don't have anyone to play that role, so we have to play guys in roles above their status. Then they, they create a resume that makes them worth more than they actually should be. Then you overpay them, and then you get stuck in this, this circular rut of like, well, now we're overpaying guys, so we can't afford the guys who are actually good. So Travis Konechny has to continue to be the second best forward on the team, when in reality he should be the fourth or fifth. So that's my concern, and that's why I would legitimately consider selling high. I don't want to, but I would consider it because I worry about what happens. I'd love for him to be part of the future. I worry that for him to be part of the future, he'd have to be overpaid. That's my yeah. concern. Yeah. It's a, it's a, legit, it's a legit concern. Um, I, I don't want to be, like, attached to any players, especially one that like three months ago I wasn't the least bit attached to, <laughs> was hoping he was traded this summer uh, prior to the season. And we've seen what happens when you get attached to your own guys and overvalue your own guys. But fuck, there's something to building a culture and it looks like he could be a part of that. But yeah. end of the day, I don't think, while as Charlie just broke down, on a good team, he is a second liner. But if you could use him in that Cam Atkinson role on the PK, if he can be, if he can make your second power play good, like suddenly that's what makes a good team. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But what you could get in return for him is so enticing. Yeah. I think ultimately I'm on the side of selling high, but I'm more apprehensive than. I've been in three years. Yeah. but And you know what, honestly, like, and this is the hard truth of it all, is that the fact that we're apprehensive about selling Travis Konechny 
almost as an argument as to why they should sell Travis Konechny because the guys who everybody wants to sell are the guys that they're pissed off at. Nobody wants. Yeah. Nobody yeah. Wants. yeah nobody Guess wants. what? People would want Travis Konechny now because he's good and fun, and that's probably from a shrewd GM standpoint is when you should sell a guy. Yeah, and it would require the actual turning the corner into a rebuild, but I yes, feel like if would. like if if today the Flyers decided, okay, this is it. We got to rebuild. I feel <laughs> like trading Travis Konechny is like the first thing that you try yeah, to do because fair. you're going to definitely get some assets back. It, it definitely, yeah, like, it would be a, as, as disappointed as I think people would be because Travis Konechny is a good player and is playing very yeah. well, it would be a real sign, a much-needed sign that they have a fucking plan. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah I, also, we all I want to say keep him, but I just can't justify yeah. it. No. Like, you, you sell... Like, you get rid of James Van Riemsdyk and Braun and whoever else isn't nailed down because, like, that's what you do on Sunday night. You take the recycling to the curb. But if <laughs> yeah. you actually, but that's just what you do. Yeah, it's just what you, you do. You have to. Yeah. It, if you're actually going to move forward, like, yeah, you got to get rid of, maybe make some tough choices. Like, yeah. make some room for the shit you, you yeah. really need. And, and, and that's been truthfully, I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but that's truthfully been one of Chuck Fletcher's big failings is just that lack of creativity. But tied in with that lack of creativity is that he really hasn't been willing to make tough decisions. He just, like... He, he just, makes no decisions. He just doesn't do yeah, it. Yeah, none. Like, right. Like he, he goes, Unless it's giving a guy way too many yeah. years in a contract, he makes no decisions. Like, he tra- yeah, I, I guess you could argue the Voracek thing was a tough decision. That was about it. That was That's really the only, like... You know, and that was less a tough decision. That wasn't a tough decision because like that that was a tough decision because he didn't have that much value, and you knew you had to like find a way to creatively get out of that contract. That wasn't a like we're selling a good player and we're going to take the risk that maybe it makes more sense for us not to have him to turn him into assets. You know what I mean? You were pay- yeah, you were paying him eight million bucks, and like he was never going to rebound in the organization. Like yeah. There was With just, hindsight, don't you kind of think a that, problem like, here. that, like, Yarmo called him and was like, hey, you want to give us Voracek? We'll give you Atkinson. Like, no, I've got, eh. like, I, I they, they were trying to shop Voracek that whole summer. But, like, for example, mm-hmm. like, we'll talk about a guy like Ivan Provorov. Like, Ivan Provorov, rather than actually make a decision on what he is and what his fit is in this organization, they've just kind of froze and been like, well, I guess we'll yeah. just wait and see every single offseason and now, I don't know how much value he even has. A guy who, like, has anyone, I, I talked about how, um, like, in my eyes, a couple of guys have impressed me, but, like, Morgan Frost, big step this season, at least over the last 15, 20 days, whatever. Um, just the precipitous drop in perception of fucking Ivan Provorov. I don't know if I've ever seen such a thing. I, I don't know what this guy is. I have no idea. I don't even know if he's a good player. Like, he's I try to watch player. him and form an opinion. I honestly have no opinion on Ivan Provorov at this point. He's just a dude in skates. I don't know if he's good. I don't know if yeah. he's bad. He's just a dude on the team. Yeah, I, I think that 
the comparison between him and Konechny is a really, really interesting one now because you have two guys that were taking the same draft year that came up to the team the same year. Both had two consecutive, like, mass seasons. And they get the new coach, and one guy steps up and rebounds, and the other guy, I don't think he's gotten worse, but I think he's just the exact same guy as he was the previous two years. Like, he's just the same dude from the past two seasons. And that's is that like, dude a second pair defenseman? Yeah, I think like is so. what yes. we've seen. Yeah. Like, I is he so. good enough to say I would want him on my second pair? I think so. I think like a four. <laughs> and and, and four. I do think too. I think Provorov, honestly, I think he would probably benefit mentally from being on a better hockey team. Oh, because he's a join the piss, fucking club. Bro. I was gonna say he's a big piss baby. <laughs> Why don't you try making the team better then? You stupid. I'm idiot. just saying. <laughs> Me don't too. Don't you think he needs to change his stick? Like, what if he just changed the stick? He has changed long. his stick multiple times. He didn't make it shorter, did he? He it was like long for a while, then it was shorter, then he went it back went back to it being long. People obsess over this. It's not the stick; it's the player. Yeah, he just stinks. <laughs> I hate him. I've decided he's the one. I that used I to hate. do that. I used to do that all the time in like high school. If I like uh, like flubbed the pass, like I went to like uh, like sauce pass it, and it just like yeah. went. <laughs> I would like look at my blade, like it must be broken. Yeah, it's obviously Definitely not me fault. who sucks. It's not me. Definitely I'm not me who sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's the stick. Yeah. Definitely the stick. No, so my I, teammates would be like, "You can't pass. What? Why did you even try?" I was like, "I don't know." But yeah, Provy, you get lucky I, now and then. I, I don't know. I do think that if you put, if if Ivan Provorov ends up like leaving here, you know, doesn't finish his career in Philadelphia, to me the the what if game I'm gonna play is like. What if he didn't come up and have to immediately be the number one? Like, yep. what if he was able? And... To come, what if he was able to come up and be the three and just be like the really good second pair guy, and then possibly grow into that number one role rather than a month into his rookie year he was handed twenty six minutes a night? What if at any point? And how long has he been here now? Like, what's this? Like, Feels like a six? decade. Well, it was yeah. two thousand sixteen, I believe, was his first year. Oh with my me. god. Oh my god! Yeah, like, so six. What if at any point, and this is not meant as a as I look up his his first year was sixteen seventeen. Yeah, so this is what one two three four five six. This is seventh season. Mm. Seventh. Yeah, that sounds right. What if at some point, and this is not to uh, besmirch the good name of Shane Gossis Bear, who had an amazing year next to Provorov once, uh, nor is it to talk down on Matt Niskanen, who we all thought was done and looked like at least for that one season he could still play. What if at some point he wasn't the best player on his pair? Yeah, he, he, he wasn't for six games, and we liked what we saw, no? Like, mm -hmm. There was a six game stretch yeah. and not, not, not consecutively. Oh, Ryan but, Ellis. Yeah. Like what if at some point, like you said, what if he didn't come up and have to be the number one? What if he didn't come up, have to be the number one and do it next to fucking Andrew McDonald. Yeah. And now a lot of it is on the player. Just be better. Just get better. Be good. But he's played 488 NHL games. How many of them was he way better than his partner? Very few. 482 of them? Like, every single... Like, I just, it, I, just... I look at Provorov and I see a guy who, especially these last couple of years, I think that... Like, for example, Provorov on the power play, okay? Part of the reason why they never took Provorov off the power play, even though he stunk at it, was because 
he felt like I'm the number one defenseman on this team. I take on all these minutes. You can't take me off the power play. And he would sulk if it was ever brought up as a possibility, even though it was the right thing to do, which is why it took them so long for them to do it. My point is that I would love to see an alter- alternate universe where he wasn't just given those things. He yeah. had to earn them because there were two guys in front of him who were very clearly better. You know what I mean? And, and to be, yeah, absolutely. Uh, to be fair to Provorov, and you, you can't, you know, you're not good at it. Quit bitching. Uh, but we have talked quite a bit, especially in years past, when we, you know, why don't they just try this guy on the power play? I know he's only like a third or fourth line player, but he'd be good in space, this and that. And we've said, power play time is a reward for your five on five because it's where you put up points. Yeah. Like, unless you're one of the greats or just one of these lucky dudes who scores uh, nonstop. Um, it's where you accumulate your statistics, and statistics are how you get paid. Yeah. So it's kind of like if Provorov's going to be asked to play, you know, double the minutes of everyone else on defense, and he's going to take on, yeah, I'll put the fucking anchor of McDonald on my back. I'll go up against the first lines and everything. It is sort of. No, I, I right? understand that he gets I, oh, those no, minutes. Fuck that. No, fuck that. I, I understand no, 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 why no, he thinks no. that way. I do. He shouldn't I, okay, get them. I understand why he thinks that way. Yes, but yes. the team should absolutely not be indulging his bullshit. Like, if if you want the power play time, okay, you earn some power play time. We'll put you on there, and then you're dog shit on it every single time. Sorry, buddy. You're off. The, like, he did sorry, have the one year the where he had like play. ten goals. So he had like, that the one year just where he, kept going. It was like in. all these seeing Irish shots from the fire, pole. fire, 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 like, fire. Eventually, some of them go in. But is it, he's he would never just good at like distributing no. the puck on the power play. Like he sucks at it. They would just somehow have like a double screen, and he'd take a wrist shot, and the goalie wouldn't react, and the right. Flyers would have yeah. a goal. Yeah. It would be ridiculous. Yeah. But he it did have that one year where he yeah. scored. Yeah. But we kept saying they need to take him off, but he keeps scoring. But it goes back to, to what I was saying. It was basically like, yeah. I think what we're seeing now is that Ivan Provorov's ideal role would be the number three defenseman. The problem is, is that he's been the number one for so long. It's very hard to get a guy to accept on that team that he should be the number three and have the duties and responsibilities and prestige that come with being the number three. Now, that's why I I honestly think he would benefit if, like, he went to, like, he got traded and he went to a team that had, like, Victor Hedman. And it's like, okay, well, like, as, as good as I think I am, I know I'm not as good as Victor Hedman. So I got to defer to somebody, and I know that, I, and I'm willing to do that because I can win titles. I actually want to know... Like, in theory, yes, he would defer. I would actually would love to see this situation unfold where he goes to a team with one of these, like, perennial Norris guys to see if it became, like, a thing. Yeah, now, we hear the rumblings of Provorov's attitude, but, like, mm-hmm. we don't have any good players, so it doesn't matter. Like, if there was a situation in which he was on Colorado and they have, like, four guys better than him. You know, I don't would, think he would like that shit. Would he bitch about it to the yes. point where, like, I think badly he needs a change of scenery? Like, we want to, we want to cash in on Konechny. We think yeah. it's best for us 
for Provorov and just the whole situation, I think he would benefit greatly from a change of scenery. But I wonder if his attitude would continue elsewhere. Like, it seems as if this is who he is. Maybe it's like Charlie said, he, you know, he would just benefit mentally from being on a better team. He looks around and goes, who the fuck's better than me? And good question. Uh, but... <laughs> You know, you're not, it, it says nothing about you, by the way. Who's better than you? Yeah, really, no one, but it's not because you're great. Let's start yeah. right there, Ivan. Yeah. But I, I wonder if that attitude would continue even though there were players better. Like, I, it makes sense. Oh, yeah, I defer to Victor Hedman because he's fucking Victor Hedman. Uh, he's going to the Hall of Fame. But would he? I don't I know wonder. what happened during this show, but somehow, like, today became the day that I definitely hate Ivan Provorov. <laughs> I feel like Kelly. I I think you've hated him for a while. No, I mm, yeah, but I feel like like today definitely like Like cemented it for you. That's it. We're done. I'm done with him. Okay. Do we have anything? Don't push a rock up a hill, dickhead. So Carter Hart's back. That's nice. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. They maybe Rasmus rips the line and won't injure him again. Cautious with his concussion, (laughs) and now he's back, and we'll be starting on Thursday night. Cool. Against those Arizona Coyotes, who by the way put up six on Tampa and Colorado. So they could definitely. They're, so this is a classic like, example of like how even bad teams win games sometimes. The Ducks beat the Stars last night. Yeah, plus 170, baby. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the Coyotes are like the ultimate YOLO team. Like, got nothing to play for. Know it. Don't give a shit. So we're just going to like, we're going to go try to score a bunch of goals. Good luck. Like you'll probably beat us, but maybe we'll we'll get we'll shoot like forty percent tonight. Like that's, that's I I they're they're such a disgrace. How do they even fucking exist? And we don't need to get into this because we're at like an hour ten already. And <laughs> I, <yeah. laughs> All right. are we done? Do we have anything else? Well, no, we're good. good. Good show. We're good. All right. How was everyone's New Year? Good times. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, first New Year sure. in South Philly. It was cool. Yay. All right. So that will do it for Broad Street Hockey Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. You know the routine. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button, follow, whatever it is. Uh, Wherever you find podcasts, search Broad Street Hockey. Give us that thumbs up. Give us that five-star review. Write some nice words about us. Uh, It's it's just cool. It's a cool thing to do. This is all free for you. We're asking for like 10 seconds of your time. It's real simple. All right. uh, My name is Bill Matz for Charlie, for Kelly. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!